one of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia Eats. Hey, it's Jason DeRussia. Welcome to DeRussia Eats, Episode 6, The Entrepreneurs. Two entrepreneurs in the spotlight today building their restaurant empires. Randy Stanley has two high-end modern steakhouses in the Twin Cities suburbs. He really built a lane that did not exist before. Steakhouses were in the central city. That was it. Randy put one on Lake Minnetonka in an upscale western suburb and another in a northern suburb called Baltimore. That, in the suburb of Roseville, Uh, in the outlot of a shopping mall. And people thought both times Randy was crazy. Uh, But it turned out Randy was was very smart. And Mark Toth, he is building a fast casual chain of restaurants called Urban Walk, based in St. Paul. How does Mark find inspiration? What are the challenges he's faced and overcome? All of that. Great lessons from two really fun entrepreneurs in this episode of Jerusha Eats. Our guest today, uh, what a success story. And he's he's pumping his arms. Randy Stanley is with us from Six Smith and Wyzetta, Baldemar in Roseville. Uh, Randy, it's so good to have you here in studio. Pleasure to be here, Jason. Let's Thanks get you asking. real close oh, to that okay. microphone. Good. Randy's very tall. So <laughs> we really, we have to raise that mic way up. Up here for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, what a run it's been since you opened uh, Six Smith. Of course, your career goes way uh, before that. Oh, I hate to say it, but 45 years. 45 years (laughs) in restaurants. I was a late bloomer. What was your first first job? First job was a host at Pronto Ristorante back in the early, early days. What was it about hosting that really kind of got your juices going? Uh, the connection with people, I think the energy and uh, the making people's day or dining experience and uh, mixing with all the fun servers and employees. And it was a lifestyle. Yeah. Fun lifestyle. Very fun. I think there was a uh, there was certainly a heyday, right, where that front of house action and magic was. I mean, we don't have that today, do we? Um Maybe for a good reason, Jason, because wow. there was a lot of drinking going <laughs> yeah. on back in it those have, days. Some of the magic may have been fueled <laughs> by been pretty yes. sure <laughs> today's HR yeah. standards. Anyone I used to work for, we never drank at work. No, no. <laughs> so you worked at Pronto, and then you had a very long uh, uh, career with Parasole. Right? Yes, very, very long career. Uh, worked at pretty much all their restaurants, opened several, got to shave on their face. Uh, they were, I think... Pete and Phil, I owe everything I have to. They were, the, at the time, I think, two of the most prolific restaurateurs in the Midwest. Hmm. And they taught me everything I know. Do I you, owe them a lot. What, what, what do you think was the key to the Parasola? And f- for people who don't know, Parasola, it's Manny's, it's Salute, it was Chino Latino. Yep, Good Earth. Good Earth. Uh, Burger Jones in the day. Ocean Air. Yeah, they Ocean started. Air, they started. Uh, Buka. Yeah. Buka. Yeah, I mean they're they were some do, rare do they get, does Phil get enough credit today do you think for what he did I I don't think so yeah I I mean I they Phil have Roberts, had a good we're run talking about yeah uh both he and Pete have and Pete. Uh, had a great yeah. great life they're still impactful in the industry they are winding down I think but uh I mean 
they've changed the dining scene in the Twin Cities. No question. You decided to open Six Smith right on Lake Minnetonka in Wysetta. What year was that? That was uh, 2014, June 21. And at the time, did did people think it was going to work? Did people think you were crazy? <laughs> no question. Uh, yeah. Every day I'd go to work, it was almost uh, it was mortifying. It, like fifty people a night would say, "You'll never make it. Nothing's made it here." I was just demoralizing. But uh, you know, because home, it's in a spot at sort of the end of the main drag there, other side of town, other side of the tracks, which is hilarious <laughs> because it's really like three blocks. Uh, you know, there's those geographic barriers. You know, once you get past Ben and Jerry's, why that is over. It's over. <laughs> but once the road <laughs> yeah. starts to turn a little bit. Yeah, you might have to wait for a train. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, in fact, was it a, was it a slow start? Ooh, it, it was, was a very slow start. I uh, remember you were nervous yeah. at the beginning because. Uh, I think scared, you know, what less. Yeah. <laughs> it's big. The space is big. How many seats in that? Uh, almost 580. Uh, in the summer. Uh, so we seat about 220 inside and then the rest outside in the summer. So it can, it's built to expand and contract Which, seasonally. It also had a design element that felt way more urban than anything, I think, at that time than anything the suburbs had really seen. You nailed it. The idea was, you know, I think a lot of people would look at a lakeside restaurant and do a lakeside restaurant and we took the approach. We do that, that kind of Nantucket, like yeah, Cove exactly. does so Cove well. Is, it's, awesome. it's perfect. Yeah, but we just we looked at it. Hey, we're a restaurant with a lake attached instead of a lake with a restaurant attached. Hmm. So it was a change of uh, change of mindset. I feel like that was if, if <laughs> there are a lot of complaints from like the old school wise out of people Ooh. about what that restaurant looked yeah. like. But I was always <laughs> very drawn to it because were, I love those kind of. You were an early adapter. Yeah. You and Steph used to come in all with some frequency. Right, and, right. Yeah. It took a while, but once people discovered, what, what, do you think, what do you think took a restaurant like that? Because part of why I wanted to have you in is I think what you've done in Wyzetta that people thought was crazy. Then you went to the <laughs> north suburbs, to Roseville. Yes. Which, in the outlot of a shopping mall, which I think people thought was even crazier than the YZ. No question. Everyone I know, every uh, iconic restaurateur in the Twin Cities said we're absolutely nuts. Um, but we tend to – we do our, some demographic work and uh, we tend to look for over, underserved markets. And then like I – through my career, one of the things I learned was looking at a location and trying to figure out what would work there the best. Sixsmith was probably the most – creative uh concept i've ever it's a very highly concepted non-concept and like and you nailed it it's very urban in the suburbs and that was very uncommon in those in 10 years ago we had the only uh uh uh, mixologist driven cocktail bar in that out in the suburbs everything else was downtown so we were very idealistic we had all high-end uh you know name not not name brands, but uh, boutique small production things, and everyone came in and where's this? Where's that? And two days later, we had it all. <laughs> <laughs> right, you had this is common, right? Where you really have a vision. You're yeah. like, I really want to make this yeah. one of the best cocktail bars in town. Yeah. So we're not going to have yeah. X Y Z. Well, we do. You do. <laughs> well, yeah, because I want to be open for X Y Z. Is that? I mean, you come at this from the perspective. And our guest today is Randy Stanley. 
who owns uh, Baldemar and Six Smith, did did the time at Manny's and at Parasoli help? I mean, bring you from a perspective as as a businessman, maybe more not not that the culinary isn't important, but sometimes the chefs and the mixologists get a little kind of caught up in the the non business side of it. Idealistic, yeah, absolutely no question, uh, Jason. We uh, they. Pete and Phil both gave me way too much autonomy. The only thing they asked for was plausible deniability. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I like I said, I got to shave on their face. I did a lot of con- – they did some consulting work. I opened in collaboration with them almost every concept they ever did. I was always involved in those hmm. – uh, that phase. Um, I ran most of them at any given time. Um, a lot of times I was the – Fixer, if you, if you will, what do they call it? The guy, the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, and it taught me a lot. And I was always the person who would work Sunday brunch, close, open, did it all. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of naturals out there, and they're fortunate if they can make it so quickly. I see a lot of younger people breaking through really quick. Yeah. I had to do the 10,000 hour thing. That theory that after 10,000 hours of practice, (laughs) you you get there. I finally figured it out at 58. (laughs) Randy Stanley with us. Baldemar in Roseville, Six Smith in Wyzetta. When you opened Baldemar, was that a quicker hit than uh, Six Smith was? Well, with the exception of COVID, we op- we had the oh, fortunate did. experience mm. of uh, opening four months before COVID. So, you know, we thought we were going to be toast. You know, we put yeah. the name of the company's all in ink. And guess what that means? Yeah. <laughs> we had right. everything on the line, houses, Six Smith, the whole shebang, all in. And then COVID came. We thought we were done. And we got through it all. The government did things right. We did things right. Uh, we, you know, kept all as many employees and managers as we could. Do you think you would have made it without the PPP? No way. No. And did you get restaurant revitalization money? I did. Too? I was, I'm a veteran. So oh, I did. So uh, that helped. I, only at Six Smith, I didn't qualify at Baltimore. But, yeah. uh, and it was good. I was very, very fortunate. But without it. that, I think some, you know, I will say at the beginning of COVID, I thought at least 30, at least a third of our restaurants would go under. We did too. And the number of restaurants that went under was almost negligible yeah. compared to any normal year. And a, I think it's all because of that federal money. No right? question. I mean, we, we, we got whole pretty quickly. The big change was when we were allowed to open halfway. Mm. At, at 50%, we knew we could break even and, uh, uh, you know, do what we do best, shake hands and kiss butts and yeah. uh, being customer-facing. And once we were able to do that, I we knew that we were going to make it. Randy Stanley is our guest. Sometimes uh, big bets and big risks pay off and opening two restaurants in areas that people thought were no way it was going to work. It's been working. We'll talk about big risks when it comes to some kind of big high profile menu items or promotions that they do at both of these restaurants. Plus, I'll get Randy's top three places that are not his own to eat out at. So we'll do that. When DeRussia Eats continues. DeRussia Eats brought to you by Liquor Boy right here on CCL. 423, DeRussia Eats brought to you by Liquor Boy. We're talking with Randy Stanley, Six Smith in Wyzetta, Baldemar in Roseville. Uh, Fat Pants Friday. Ooh. Was this your idea or someone on your team or where did this come from? Well, it was a collaborative effort with uh, my 
uh, partner and son-in-law, Angel Luna. Uh, we were being taken too seriously in the beginning, we thought. It was kind of chefy, chefy, and we thought, you know. It's Angel's fault. He's a good chef. Well, there you go. We'll take right. the, Don't tell him that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we were uh, thinking about what we could do, and there was several beers and some wings, and then we came up with this Fat Pants Friday idea, and the rules around it, um, you know, where you have to eat it all there. Um, you can't take anything home, can't share, and they're loose rules. Yeah. And then there's always a asparagus spear uh, for mom. Because you need a little. You got to have your veggies. Have your veggies. Yeah, yeah, got it. It's so, like, so Instagrammable, so ridiculous, so gluttonous, um, but it also, I think, was brilliant in keeping Six Smith on everyone's mind, where you're like, oh, what's going on this week? We never thought in a million years it was going to be as powerful and prolific as it is. It, yeah. And to this day, 10 years later, it's just probably the, like you said, most brilliant thing we've ever done. Baltimore, you just launched this uh, crazy brunch. Champagner. So tell me about the Champagner. The Champagner is uh, a excess and opulence brunch where you go in and you can eat as much as you want, drink as much as you want. It's about 100 bucks a person uh, plus tip and tax. Um, but there are, you know, 20 some different items, uh, breakfast cocktails, champagne. Uh, it's a great opportunity to celebrate life's passages, uh, any events, just it's Saturday. And yeah. it we do two seatings a day. It took off like a rocket ship. Which, you know, when people hear the price, 90 bucks, you're Ooh. like, holy moly. Yeah. It's a holy moly. But we deliver, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, Is there a lesson there about pricing and what what our community is willing to pay if they feel like they're getting uh, their money's worth? It's all about value, and it has to come in the form of food, service, and atmosphere. If you can hit all three, I think it's priceless. If you had to put those in order, food, service, atmosphere. Ooh, depends on what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think at you know, right when you walk in the door, it's about atmosphere, but the service starts five seconds after that when the host greets you, and then the food comes out 10, 15 minutes later. It's, uh, it, I think they have to be in sync. I, w- I would disagree. I, oh. think, I think food is— Are we going to argue? I, maybe. <laughs> I think food is at the bottom of those three for they're, most diners. I think for most diners, it's—well, I actually would say today, 2023, I would put atmosphere— the kids call it vibes. I, True. I would put that first. I would put service second, close, and yeah. I would put third, food, and almost a distant third. Hmm. People take food for granted sometimes. We we try to elevate. It's ours, sort of the price of admission. Yeah. It, yeah. It ha- you have to have decent yeah. food. But if without the hand shaking and butt kissing, you got a point. I just think <laughs> I think that, and certainly as a member of the food media, like mm-hmm. we can obsess about the technique and mm-hmm. the ingredients and this and that. And I'll tell you, ninety percent of the feedback that I get from people about restaurants has to do with the way they were taking. Do care. you feel special at the end? Yeah. Was it worth it? Yeah. yeah. Will you go back? Are there other areas in the Twin Cities that you think would support a? You know. I, I would loosely describe your restaurants as as high end steakhouses. Meaty, they're yes. meaty. Six Smith is meaty. Baltimore's true, true steakhouse. Dead on. Yeah. Are there other areas that you think we'd might be underserved? To, we'd love to move, <laughs> or not move, but uh, expand. 
Yeah, we we've got our eye on a couple of locations right now. Uh, we like Edina, we like Maple Grove. I think Egan's an opportunity. Uh, so we look for underserved markets, and then and the I know right, people are thinking underserved. How are these? <laughs> how is Edina? But I think you're that right. concept. Yeah, like we try to kind of come in, oh, uh, you know, at a certain price point, so we're not duking it out with the the eating component yeah. of a neighborhood. Uh, and then we also look for very hard for a special landlord. We need a benevolent landlord that is willing to maybe make a legacy play and or that understands the intrinsic value that a uh, and halo effect that a high-end, uh, well-run restaurant that's independent and local can contribute to a community. Pittsburgh Blue and Maple Grove is what convinced me that your concepts were both going to work. Oh. <laughs> because I thought Pittsburgh Blue was the dumbest thing that oh. I had ever heard of. You're like, who in Maple Grove is going to spend 45 bucks on a steak when it opened mm-hmm. on a Tuesday? And the answer is... Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> a totally full dining room all the time. And uh, you have sort of a similar scenario. Very similar, yeah. Yeah. I have to call the GM out at Pittsburgh Blue, and I used to work with those guys. I can't even get in. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's busy. Same at Baltimore. I have to call the GM. I can't get but, in. <laughs> And you do lunch also. We do. In, uh, do you do it in both? Both. Yeah, Six you're Smith at both and Baltimore. Very good brunches. And I think which co- you don't have at as many places post COVID. Uh, no, which is helping us actually. Mm. Uh, you know, we as soon as we could go customer facing, we did a, everything right away as fast as we could: lunch, brunch, dinner, everything. Top three places you like to visit that aren't your own. Okay, number one, Manny's got to put it out there. Opened it. it it's still pretty there for great. Thirty years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> had to do it. Uh, then um, I would say Sanju San. Oh. what the heck? Who's got the guts to do Japanese Italian fusion? Brilliant, absolutely it's, brilliant. It's so good. It's so good, and it works. Yep. Uh, and number three, I would say Jester Concepts uh, PS Steak mm. um, for a couple reasons. One, yeah. I think they opened up and they were doing the more gamey thing, and I thought, oh gosh. Yeah. And then they figured it out quick and and found ways to get keep, continue to be chefy, but at the same time very steaky. They introduced that Denver steak. I th- unbelievable. It's really good. They, isn't they it? really nailed. It's a it. nice yeah. restaurant. Yep. Yeah. And Cozy. In a place that had struggled post La Belle Vie, True. For, what was it going to be? Oh, man, it's forever. It's kind of like uh, Six Myth. You know, yeah. nothing ever made it. And now I think they've uh, these guys cracked the code. Uh, so fun to have you here. I, I, re- I really uh, respect what you've done and admire kind of uh, the way you run your restaurants. So congratulations. And if I can just blow a little smoke your way, the contributions that you've made I mean, to the clearly, restaurant you community. Can <laughs> It's been phenomenal. I mean, uh, you've supported restaurants during COVID. Today, uh, your impact on our community has been prolific. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's Randy Stanley. Go check it out. Oh, people are all texting in where they want you to come. They want you everywhere. (laughs) Very good. Send real estate ideas to Randy Stanley. (laughs) Hey, it's Jason DeRussia with a message from Minnesota's pig farmers. Discover the meat of the North. 
pork. Pork is as Minnesotan as the lakes, trees, and people who call this state home. Did you know there are more than 30,000 pig farming families? They live and work in the North Star State, raising one of the safest, most delicious meats the whole world can enjoy. Pork is something we enjoy in the Derusha family at least a few times a week. Maybe it's pork loin roast, shoulder, pork chops, ribs, huh, bacon. Oh, I'm getting hungry just talking about it. It's so affordable, too. If you're looking for recipes, mnpork.com's got them. Great recipes like dilled pork cutlets, Parmesan-crusted pork chops, and you can feel good about eating pork from Minnesota farmers. They've been reducing their carbon footprint with better genetics, new technologies, and more. Pick up pork tonight for dinner at your local meat market or grocery store. Let's have Minnesota pork for dinner. Oh, yeah. DeRussia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. Our guest today is an entrepreneur who has started up, well, I don't know if it was his intention to start up a restaurant chain, but that is what he has done. Urban Walk is based in the Twin Cities and has big ambitions. Mark Toth is with us on DeRussia Eats, uh, the founder and the CEO. Mark, it's nice to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon, Jason. Welcome back to Minnesota. Yes, thank you. After a little trip to to Alaska, it was a lot cooler. That's I, for sure. It is it strange. It's strange to take a summer vacation uh, and go somewhere where it's fifty eight degrees. Uh, we'll it's get there. Weird. We'll get there soon enough. <laughs> That's that. I'm in no hurry. I'm in no hurry. Does the weather affect uh, traffic at your restaurants? Urban Walk, the first location, is in. Uh, St. Paul, but you have five of them now? How many yeah. do you have? Yeah, we have uh, six total. First one yeah. was in St. Paul. That was our flagship location, as you know. And then we opened up in St. Louis Park in the West End. And our latest franchise partner opened up in Maple Grove, uh, Arbor Lakes, across from uh, Crispin Green. And then we opened up in Medina, uh, Minnesota, off Highway 55. And we have one location in Atlanta, one in Columbia, South Carolina, and another one opening in Columbia, South Carolina next Friday. All right, so how did you – well, I asked the weather. Does the weather impact traffic here in the Twin Cities at all? You know, it, it depends on the location. For example, like in mm-hmm. Lower Town when it rains with a lot of people living in condos and around the area, when it rains and DoorDash, you know, kind of picks up big time when it Goes rains. crazy. You know, so <laughs> sure. but when it's hotter out in the summer, kids are out to camp, it definitely affects the daytime, especially during the summer. How did you end up opening these restaurants? And and I'll have you explain in a minute. Kind of, sure. you can. I I'm sure people can assume what it is with the name Urban Walk. You get sort of the idea of what it is. But how did you end up being a, a CEO of a restaurant group? Well, my background was in marketing with General Mills and ConAgra and private equity. I've always been involved in food, like you have in the Twin Cities area. Always wanted to open a restaurant chain, not own a restaurant. So I really wanted something to scale that I could really start a business. And that was the tricky part. How do you do that and how do you go about that? Uh, So it took some time to come up with the right concept that I thought we could scale. Took some learning and then here we are today. What did you reject? What were some of the ideas where you said, nope, we're not going to do that? Well, I think the biggest thing is really finding something that's efficient, that has the right style of cooking that you can replicate. If you can't replicate things easily, you reject a lot (laughs) because there's lots of great food in the Twin Cities that are chef-driven, but I can't replicate that, especially with, you know, with the staff that we hire. It's got to be easy and convenient. So those were really kind of the barriers to come up with a concept that would, would deliver on that. Plus, it has to taste good, right? <laughs> uh, for be, sure, right, right? right? You've got to have the flavor profiles. 
So I've been to your Urban Walk in Lower Town and then the one here in Maple Grove. And what's impressive to me is, especially as you look to the current environment of labor costs and lack of availability of people to hire, you figured out a concept that can be pretty lean as far as the number of people. And you still have this customization and freshness and excitement of the food. Yeah, I mean, I I think we really started with technology had to be a part of the concept, right? It had to deliver. It took a while for technology to catch up with the idea that this could possibly work, right, with the kiosk and touchscreen and things like that. So So people, when you go in, you order at uh, a screen. You order at a screen or you order at your table off a QR code, either way. Or you can order on mobile walking down the street from Lower Town to your restaurant. Which that's the move, right? Because then it's ready when you show up. Right, you show up, pick it up, and you're out the door. Yeah. And this, the the concept, the walk starty is you you sort of start with uh you, you start with like a, a, base. a base of a noodle or yep. a rice. Yep, you start with a base noodle, rice, zucchini noodles. Uh, then you start with you know pick your veggies. You can pick up to eight veggies. Then you pick the signature sauces. We have fourteen signature sauces that are gluten free and vegan, and then we have about five hot sauces. So you really kind of go. You also pick your protein. So don't forget the protein unless you don't want the protein. We have a, a tofu option as well. Have you found, I mean, do people go for shrimp or for for <laughs> chicken or tofu or what do people order? You know what? When you talk about base, probably 70% of the, the bases will be a rice noodle or like a jasmine rice. Your top veggies are broccoli. You're kind of the ones you already know. Broccoli, uh, red onions, snap peas, bean sprouts. Then chicken's about 80% of the proteins that are selected. 80%, 80% chicken? It's crazy. It's about wow. 80%. So it's, it's nuts. And then sauces. What do you think? Go ahead. Sorry. What do you think the chicken? What do you think the chicken deal is? Do, is there a perception of healthiness with it? Well, I think there's a perception of healthy for sure, right? With red meat versus shrimp. Um, but yeah, yeah, perception of healthiness. But come, you know, my past life in, in I'm sorry, in retail, eighty percent of what's sold in the in the grocery store is chicken. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's very not interesting. surprising, I guess, but uh, it it is amazing to me. How much people kind of go to the chicken? It is. We go through a lot of chicken, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Choth is the CEO of Urban Walk, a restaurant chain that is, uh, do you like that term chain? Is that all right? Well, it's kind of funny you say that. We actually call ourselves unchained. <laughs> you know, and because, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? Well, we want to make sure that when we open up restaurants, we don't all look the same, right? We want to be hmm. that Urban Walk touch. So depending on the neighborhood, we want to have that look and feel. And feel a little unchanged so it doesn't look like the same restaurant you go into all over the country. There's nothing wrong with that. We just would like yeah. to take a more intimate approach with the neighborhoods that we go into. How did you end up in Georgia and in, in Columbia, South Carolina? Yeah, it was a business partner of mine in my past life, and he wanted to open up a big restaurant, and he came up here to visit, and he said, I like this concept. So he bought the rights to Atlanta, and it led from there. And we found another partner that owns Subways and Tropical Smoothie Cafes, and she took over the Columbia market. What What is the biggest challenge for you when it comes to to locations? Is it is it rent? Is it the cost structure? Is it the traffic? Like, how do you do an analysis of where you're going to open up? Well, it's a little bit of balance of all the things you just spoke about, and I also want to make sure we there's an element of being urban, if that makes sense. 
Hmm. Right. So you want to have a little bit, you know, it doesn't get more urban than Medina and Maple Grove. Right. 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 So. (laughs) So it's fun. But it's funny you say that because I definitely challenged that back then. And we definitely I think the pandemic had something to do with this as well. But consumers that I would speak with would say, well, listen, you know, what about downtown Wyzetta? That's urban in its own nature. Yeah, right? it's true. You know, people don't right. want to come downtown. I love downtown. I'm the kind of North Loop and love the whole Minneapolis area. But urban right. means different things to different people. So I'm trying to be open to that, to your point. Yeah. I mean, it is the reality if you look at what every suburb uh, in our area is trying to do. They're trying to create their own version Correct. of a walkable downtown. And even in Maple Grove, where you're at, it is, uh, I mean, you're a bike ride from my house, but it is a kind of a downtown-ish type feeling thing. It took me a while to get over that. I'm with you. It took me a while to get over the yeah. urban versus suburban walk. That's what I always right. say. We're, we're not suburban walk. We're urban walk. Right, right. Mark Toth is with us from Urban Walk, uh, a place that I think, and Mark, you know, you and I have run into each other a number of times yes. out at different restaurants in the Twin Cities. Your restaurant group, and I don't know exactly why it is, but for whatever reason, it doesn't get a lot of buzz in the kind of writing, the food writing world or anything like that. Do, what do you what do you think that's about? It might be the timing of when you open might be part of it, but well, I don't know. Well, I, I think that's part of it. It's the timing when we opened. We we started in two eighteen, and really the pandemic kind of brought us first, you know, in the forefront because of our our technology that really helped us. The pandemic, mm-hmm. and I think we're just news. So we're really trying to get the word out, get our brand out there, and, and trying to you know make connections to kind of get more buzz and, and let people know who we are as a brand and what we offer to consumers. I know you had a location in kind of the South Minneapolis, like 48th and Chicago yep. area that yep. was going to open. Is that still uh, on on track to open or is that changed? Nope, or? it's definitely going to open in the early fall. We definitely were a little off track with, with a little bit with the pandemic, but also as a historical building. And we were having trouble with uh-huh. the HVAC. So it took about a year to get that approved. Uh, unfortunately, it took a little longer than we thought, but that is on track for like late September, early October. Is there a difference working with, uh, like, Minneapolis, St. Paul, suburbs? Yes. Yes, You, yes, you have yes. a look on your face that yes. says, oh, my gosh, <laughs> yes. Jason, it's so different. It's so different. It's so different. I mean, you know, and, and they're all different in their own ways. I mean, from the health inspector to the building permits to the length of time to how much the city actually wants to help you. Um, mm. You know, sometimes it just takes an awful long time. But it's very different. But I definitely have learned the landscape. and We've learned the landscape in the Twin Cities. Uh, and what to expect moving forward. Mark Toth is our guest. Urban Walk is the concept. How many of these do you envision uh, seeing throughout throughout uh, the country or throughout our market here in the Twin Cities? Sure. So we, we're really focusing on the Midwest and the Twin Cities to start with, but also the Southeast. But I envision three to 500 of these across the country eventually, focusing purely on the Midwest and Southeast right now. But that's the intent to duplicate this and take it across the country. That many. That's so, cool. That's a lot. I, that's a lot. It, <laughs> it is a lot. Does it what what keeps you up at night when you think about that expansion? Uh growing the company infrastructure with with the restaurants, number one. Uh staffing, people matter. You know, that's a huge if, issue across the board for all re- well, not just restaurants, retail, you name it, yeah. right? Yeah. So really making sure we get the right people that they buy into the concept and they feel like, you know what, this is a place where folks can grow. Um, those are the main two, I, I would say. Yeah, the third one would be really as you build, 
making sure that things get built on time because everything has been delayed, 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 and that that gets a little stressful for all those involved. Yeah, yeah you mentioned the HVAC concern in a historic uh, building, but it's also getting the hoods Correct. for, uh, I mean, all of this stuff. You've been in around food. When we come back, I want to ask you about kind of what the difference is going from working for bigger companies in the food area and then doing your own thing. Sure. And we'll also talk about three of your favorite restaurants here in the Twin Cities to go to. Mark Toth is our guest, the CEO of Urban Walk, a bunch of locations here in the Twin Cities with a goal of getting to maybe 300 all around the country. Derusha Eats brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and our friends at Liquor Boy in St. Louis Park continues in just a minute. All right, I can remember that it is Twins Ticket Tuesday when you hear that sound effect, the wind twins, kind of the bat crack and all of that. Third caller wins a four-pack of tickets. So you got to hear the sounder. We're giving away tickets for the Twins against the Detroit Tigers here at home. Tuesday, August 15th, 6.40, first pitch. Uh, that starts the homestand against Detroit. Every Tuesday, by the way, Dollar a Dog Day at Target Field. So you can catch the game, grab dinner, visit twins.com, or keep listening to us. Pre-game starts at 5 o'clock here on C- uh, CCO. That's us. Mark Toth is the CEO of Urban Walk. He is with us on to Russia Eats today. Mark has uh, seven restaurants open now, franchising. What is it like going from working for General Mills or working for big companies and then starting out this operation on on your own? A lot less meetings. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you're wearing a t shirt, you don't have to dress up. That's a funny story. I'll give you a quick little story. It's very, very quick. I was having a bad day. I get up early in the morning. It was last summer. I was driving down Shepherd Road. I was really frustrated. I looked in the mirror. I started laughing. I was wearing a T-shirt and flip-flops. I'm like, why am I mad? I get to you know, work with my team, <laughs> dictate when I take a meeting. Big difference. <laughs> so, Anything surprise you in terms of, you know, you guys, part of the deal is people pick a sauce. And I think a lot of times if you, you, you well, you never quite know, like, are right. people going to go for something spicier or more citrus or more curry? What, what has surprised you? So really over the last four years, the biggest surprise is the amount of spice level that Minnesotans actually do, would like now. You always hear about maybe not, they don't want to have something that's too spicy, but we've Ketchup really changed. Our, right, exactly. Our peak spice, our, exactly. Right. But we've changed our spicy peanut sauce four times. To make it hotter, spicier, huh. uh, but also I think the other interesting piece it's garlic, ginger, tamari is our number one sauce, and we always get the most complaints on it because it's too salty. I'm like, it's salty by nature. It's soy, <laughs> so, so right. We you have ha- to educate the, We have to educate the <laughs> right. consumer. Like, soy is a very salty yeah. situation. So it's kind right. of funny. So we're like, we have 14 other sauces to try. Yeah, when you put spicy in the name, I I sort of expect it to be spicy. You sure. Know? Yep, we del- yeah. we definitely deliver on spice, but we'd also deliver on the flavor. You know, hopefully that's Ta- our goal. How much of your business is takeout? Depends by location, but I'd say on average about fifty fifty. Yeah. So between yeah, third-party it's interesting. I mean, that's just changed so much since COVID, right? That's changed a ton. I never thought I would even entertain third party, and we ended up doing a great job with third party. We deliver in those cartons that we have, and third party has become a big part of our business. 
Mark, why are people so willing to spend so much money on third-party delivery? I just can't get over it. Maybe I'm too old. I don't know. But I... I'm going to drive there and pick it up myself. Like, I'm not paying somebody another 10 bucks to get food to my house. Convenience, convenience, convenience. It's been that. Is it generational, you think? Or is this this just an overall shift? I I don't think it's – I think it's generational. I mean, convenience was a trend when I was back at General Mills. You know, it was always around convenience. You know, how can we get more convenient snacks into people's hands? Convenience always is a top trend, and it continues to be that way. Mark Toth is the CEO of Urban Walk. You can find locations in Lower Town, St. Paul, uh, West End of St. Louis Park, Arbor Lakes in Maple Grove, and Medina. Uh, Mark, you eat out a lot. Uh, You have three favorites uh, that you want to recommend to our audience. One will not surprise you. That's where we actually met for the first time. Brunson's. I love Brunson's in East St. Paul. It's so good. It's so surprising how good it is. The, to- the tuna togarashi and everything's great there, but it's a great yes. restaurant. Very, it's it's a bar. Uh, it's probably my favorite bar. I would agree. Like more old school bar in the Twin Cities, but the food is phenomenal and, and great cocktails too. So that would be number one. Uh, yeah. Number two would be J.D. Hoyt's. Ah, yes. So I can't help that. It's the North Loop. I've been going there since I've owned a place in the North Loop, and it is a fantastic place. Very consistent, always good, but there's something that feels good about going into Hoyt's. It feels like a neighborhood inside four walls. Yeah. So, yeah. so that would be nice. number two. I had a 3A and a 3B. but I'll That's go, fair. I'll, I'll allow it. You'll allow it? Okay, I'll go 3A will be a new restaurant, about a year old, The Lost Fox, actually, in Lower Town. I don't know if ah, you've been there yet. It's actually, I have not been there. It's a great place. It's a coffee bar. It's got lunch, you know, deli sandwiches, things like that, and it's got dinner service and, again, a craft a craft bar at night, a little like Brunson's, so I think you would like it. You should definitely try it. All right, cool. Lost Fox. The Lost Fox in Lower Town. And then the last one, 3B, would be Baja House in Hmm. Wyzetta. Very good. So love that spot. It's small, intimate. I love the coastal feel of it. So another good, great place. Awesome. Mark, it was so good having you on. I'm very bullish on your concept. I think it's certainly here in Minnesota. It's unique. And it feels good, and the food tastes good, and I think you're onto something. So we're we're cheering for you to grow well, and uh, keep it going. Well, thank you for the support. I really appreciate it, Jason. Mark Toth, Urban Walk, Urban W O K U S A dot com is the website. Mark Toth, thanks for being with us, and we thank the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy for their support of Derusha Eats. Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast on WCCO Radio, 830 AM. We do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email jason at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com, jason at odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. 
Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.